Hello, and welcome to All the Gospel, a sermon podcast from Kirksville Assembly of God. We are happy to have you as a part of our listening community. Thank you for joining us as we explore the Word together. You can open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 21. This is part 10 of the Summer Torah series. I know that fall begins in Fall begins two weeks from this past Friday, so we'll extend a little beyond summer. Um, but last week we looked at the problem of generational sin, and this week uh, we get three short stories that share with us a different attribute of God. So the three attributes of God we'll see are the promise keeper, protector, and peacemaker. The key verses are going to be in chapter 21, verse 1. The Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. In verse 20, and God was with the boy. In verse 33, Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba and called there on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. So let's pray before we dive in. Lord, help us today. Lord, always to walk by your way. Um, to live in your attributes and to understand better who you are. Help us today to, to do that as we study your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's read. Uh, well, uh, let's, the first attribute of God is promise keeper. We have spent three chapters away from Sarah and the promised offspring. The last we heard from Sarah was in chapter 18, verse 15, where she lied to God about laughing and he called her out on it. Now, about a year later, the narrator returns to her story and the birth of the child. So let's look at verse 1 through 7. The Lord, the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age, at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son, who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son, Isaac, when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son, Isaac, was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse a child? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. The Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. Sarah, what we knew about Sarah was that she was Abraham's wife all the way since chapter 11, verse 29, and that she was barren. She couldn't have any children. Chapter 11, verse 30. As he had said, as he had promised, these two quotes were mentioned 11 times. 11 times God mentions the promise from chapter 12 until now. And chapter 12, verse 2 says, I will make of you a great nation. Chapter 15, verse 4, your own son shall be your heir. On chapter 17, verse 16, just to name a few, I will give you a son by her, Sarah. That was the first time God specifically mentioned Sarah would be the mother. He had to clarify that because of the abuse of Hagar. And then chapter 17, verse 21, Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time next year, was the promise. And the promise was this time next year. 
And in verse 2 says, Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoke to him. See, God's timing is perfect. A lot of the time was used to prepare Abraham and Sarah. They were not yet ready to have the promised son. So God waited and prepared them. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but he is patient toward you. 2 Peter 3.9 God knows his, his promises, but he also knows his timing. God is the promise keeper. He is patient with us, but are we patient with him? Because this promise took 25 years. Sometimes God isn't the problem. Sometimes we are. We're not ready for the fullness of the promise God gave us. And if he gave it to us now, we would be destroyed by it. So he forms us, tests us, challenges us, teaches us, loves us, picks us up when we fall. All so we can be prepared when the time comes. David couldn't have fought Goliath without his shepherd training. So don't get ahead of God. Trust him even over time. Abraham, we see, also hold up his end of the bargain. In verse 4, Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, just as God commanded him. This verse about Abe's obedience is the central verse of the seven verses in this story. God will keep his promises. We keep our obedience. Without God, we can't. Without us, he won't. If we're disobedient, God will not fulfill that promise. We're not ready for it yet. Sarah is so moved by God's impossible work in her life that she laughs. The first her laughter, uh, the first time she laughs, it reflects her doubt. This time her laughter is a celebration. Verse 6 says, God made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. The language is similar to Eve's in Genesis 4.25. And you can check that out for yourself. Indicating that this is the line through which the promised one, the snake crusher, would come. The, the author relaying Sarah's laughter back to, um, back to Eve and her children. So point number one, we have to trust God over time. The second attribute is God is protector. Ishmael responds to Isaac's birth with laughter as well. Some translations say mocking. So Sarah kicks him and Hagar, uh, his mom, out of the camp. Let's read verse 8. And the children grew and was weaned, the child grew and was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast on that day that Isaac was weaned. But Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, laughing. So she said to Abraham, Cast out this slave woman with her son. For the son of this slave woman shall not be heir with my son Isaac. And the thing was very displeasing to Abraham on account of his son. But God said to Abraham, Be not displeased because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you. For through Isaac shall your offspring be named. And I will make a nation of the son of the slave woman also, because he is your offspring. So she kicks out, uh, Sarah and Abraham kick out Hagar from the camp. Abe doesn't want to, he's reluctant, but God promises to protect him. So God is working in Ishmael and Hagar's life even before they're kicked out. 
So Abraham sacrifices his firstborn son to the will of his, his wife. Remember this moment. It will become important in the next chapter. Then things go really bad for Hagar and Ishmael. In verse 15. Uh, I guess I didn't read 14. Let's go back. So Abram rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on her shoulder along with the child and sent her away. And she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. Uh, then uh, when the water of the skin was gone, she put the child under one of the bushes. Then she went and sat down opposite him a good way off, about the distance of a bow shot. For she said, let me not look on the death of the child. And as she sat opposite him, she lifted up her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the boy. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What troubles you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. So there was an outcry from an oppressed person treated unjustly, and God heard the cry. But it's interesting to notice that God heard the voice of the boy, even though the author talks about the voice of Hagar crying out. Why does the angel hear the voice of the boy? The narrator is not really clear, but we're meant to ponder it. This is an intercessory prayer. Like Abraham before Sodom, Hagar is praying on behalf of her son and herself. We need to pray for others, even when we are in the same dire situation. Ishmael is getting prayed for as well. So at the end of the service, um, we're going to give people a chance to pray with you. if you'll give us the chance to do so. And God protects him. He says, fear not, in verse 17. Fear not. This is just like God. They're literally about to die. God comes in and is like, hey, chill, it's all good. This requires faith and trust in God that he is going to do what he said. Here he says, for I will make him into a great nation. That can't happen if he's dead, so relax. When the worries and fears of life come, cry out to God until he hears you and you hear back. Then, after that point, fear not. Verse 18, up, lift up the boy, hold him fast with your hand, for I will make him into a great nation. The word up there is the Hebrew word kum, arise out of inaction and get moving, is what it means. It's not enough for Hagar to just cry out to God. Once God hears, then there is action. Follow his instruction. Lift up the boy, who is, I think, at least a teenager by this point, and hold his hand. God reiterates his promise because I will make him into a great nation. In verse 19, Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. And she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. And God was with the boy, and he grew up, and he lived in the wilderness and became an expert with the bow. He lived in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. The last time eyes were opened in the Bible was Genesis 3-7, when Adam and Eve ate the fruit and their eyes were opened, and they became vulnerable and were put out of the garden. Here, Hagar and Ishmael were vulnerable. She lifted up her voice and cried out to God. We could say she ate from the tree of life. 
and in her eyes, and then her eyes were opened and she found they were in a garden. It's the reverse. In verse 20, God said that he will be with the boy and he, God was with the boy and he grew up. God protected them. God protects his promise. The next time we see Ishmael is at Abraham's funeral. The sons are back together and there's peace. So point two, we have to trust God in desperate situations. The third attribute of God we pick up in verse 22, and that's God is peacemaker. At that time, Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, said to Abraham, God is with you in all that you do. Now, therefore, swear to me here by God that you will not deal falsely with me or with my descendants or with my posterity. But as I have dealt kindly with you, so you will deal with me and, I, and with the land where you have sojourned. And Abraham said, I swear. Abimelech and his general meet with Abraham to make a deal that Abraham will be honest with them. Abraham had a tendency of lying. And they were afraid that God is with Abraham even when he lies. Continues in verse 25. When Abraham reproved Abimelech about a well of water that Abimelech's servants had seized, Abimelech said, I do not know who has done this thing. You did not tell me. And I have not heard of it until today. So Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them to Abimelech. And the two men made a covenant. Abraham set seven ewe lambs uh, of the flock apart. And Abimelech said to Abraham, What is the meaning of these seven ewe lambs that you have set apart? He said, These seven ewe lambs will take you will take from my hand that this may be a witness for me that I dug the well. A conflict arises between Abraham and Abimelech. Abraham goes out of his way to prove he is being honest. But did you notice it in verse 27? So Abraham took the sheep and oxen and gave them to Abimelech. This is it. Finally, Abraham becomes the blessing to the nations. It's the promise from Je from Genesis 12 too. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Then in verse 31, therefore, that place was called Beersheba because there both of them swore an oath. So they made a covenant at Beersheba. Then Abimelech and Phicol, the commander of his army, rose up and returned to the land of the Philistines. Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba and called there on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. And Abraham sojourned many days in the land of the Philistines. A treaty was made. A well of water was secured. A tree was planted. We had peace. We had water. We had a tree. Hmm. This is more garden imagery. A tree of life by waters of life and peace on earth, goodwill toward men. God wants us to live at peace with one another. Abraham did not perform perfectly in life by any stretch of the imagination. He made a lot of mistakes. God, he took God's plan into his own hands. He lied and cheated and abused people. But God does not require perfection from us. He requires obedience. He will work with us. He is patient with us. And point number three, we have to trust in God's way. The problem is, the question, are we trusting God today? 
We have a culture that tells us to trust in many other things. Trust ourselves. Trust the politicians or trust our politician. Trust the experts. Trust the non-expert social media critics. Trust the government or trust the market. What do you put your trust in? Because all of these things will fail. They will not lead back to the garden like all of our stories did today. Only by putting our trust in God can we get back to the garden. That is, can we get back into the presence of God? We can't see it through like, well, we can't see it though, the garden, like Hagar, because we're blind to God's options, blind to spiritual realities. We're blinded by the things of this world, the glitz, the glamour, the waste and the worry, the distractions and the despair. But when we cry out to him, he will open our eyes to the supernatural possibilities that he has for us. And when we trust in God over time, we trust in God, we trust God in desperate situations, we trust God's way. Each story saw a person get back to a garden-like setting, but only after they passed through a test or a trial and have to rely on God to do so. God wants our eyes open. It's no coincidence that Jesus opens eyes eight times in the gospel. Matthew 9:30, Matthew 20:33, Mark 8:25, Luke 24:31 is the road to Emmaus guys which we've all studied together in Bible engagement project. He opened their understanding. And in John a lot several times. Uh, in fact, he says it is part of his mission. In Luke 4, 18 and 19, where he's describing his mission, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, this is from Isaiah, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. Jesus fulfills that scripture today and every day. Are you having trouble seeing God in your life today? Maybe it has been a really long time for you, and you could use God to move in an impossible way. Maybe you're in a desperate situation and need some immediate relief. Maybe you have a conflict and need some peace. Will you cry out to God today until you hear his voice like Hagar? Once you do hear him, then you will need to do what he says to do. Abraham and Hagar both had actions they needed to take even after God moved. Maybe you feel a lot of stress at work or home because of bad relationships. It takes two. So you need to go and mend that relationship. You could try giving them seven ewe lambs and see if that helps, but definitely begin to pray for the other person and then go to them. Understanding that you've been part of the problem, the plank in your own eye, and talk to them, try to resolve the conflict. Maybe you've got a pain and you're avoiding the doctor. Get up and go and find relief there. Maybe you're the overburdened with work or school and you need to make time to spend with God. Maybe you're working so hard for money that you've become lazy toward the things of God and you feel distant from God's garden. But the wellspring of God's presence is right here. So this morning, find a place, 
Find a place where you can be alone with God. And let's pray.